What is truth? I admit that I have always found this one of the most tantalizing sentences in the entire Bible. And I dare say that I am not unique. There are probably thousands of sermons out there with this title because it's just so catchy, isn't it? What is truth? And I can hear Pilate utter it in a myriad of tones with disgust, with dismissal, with curiosity, with that tone that we use when talking to ourselves as we puzzle over something. There are innumerable sermons in each one of those tones of voice. Now indeed, today we continue our snail's pace walk through the rest of the Gospel of John. I can't even call it real time because we're picking up a week later exactly where we ended last Sunday. And where was that? Well, we left last week as the rooster called out Peter's sad denial. And we pick up today in what is often referred to as Jesus' trial before Pilate. It's a very interesting title because really if you read it in its entirety, it continues on. If you spend any time with the whole thing, it would more accurately be titled Pilate's Trial Before Jesus. Because while Pilate might seem to be the one asking all the questions, it is clear that Jesus is the one in control. And as well, he is not at all hesitant to turn the questioning on Pilate. Well, how did we get into Pilate's courtyard? Well, it is finally daybreak on the day of Good Friday, if you will. Jesus has already made his grand entrance into Jerusalem to the waving of palms and the shouts of Hosanna. He has gathered the twelve in a room and shared a last meal with them. He has watched Judas leave the fold and break relationship with him. He has given the eleven that remain the new commandment to love one another as he has loved them. He has turned himself over to the authorities that came to arrest him in the garden. He has stood bound before the high priest Emeritus Annas, who then sent him on to Caiaphas, the current high priest. We have no idea what happened with Caiaphas, as today's scripture simply tells us that Jesus was then led from Caiaphas to Pilate, the current Roman governor. Now, Pilate held two terms as the governor of Judea. He did not live in Jerusalem. He lived in Caesarea Maritima up on the coast. But when business required, he would make his way to Jerusalem, and he would most likely stay at Herod's elaborate palace when he was there. And this is the scene that we find ourselves in today, at the palace, as the Jewish leaders bring Jesus, hoping for condemnation from the Roman authorities. They won't go into the palace, as that would defile them for the Passover celebration, because it is now indeed the day of preparation of the Passover, and there wouldn't be time to go through the ritual purity cleansing required to take part in the Passover if they entered the house of a Gentile, which is what Pilate is. But note, they aren't too concerned about the purity of their hearts or spirits, are they? They are up to no good, but they want someone else to do the dirty work for them. And Pilate is just the guy. Anyway, they can't or they won't go inside to deal with Pilate and Jesus, and so Pilate comes outside to speak with them. Pilate tries to get himself out of the whole thing. He's yours, he's a Jew, deal with him yourselves, but they will have none of it. So Pilate goes back inside where Jesus is, 
And notice that no one seems at all concerned about Jesus' ritual purity for the Passover, standing inside the Gentile's house. But thus begins the trial of both Jesus and Pilate, in a sense. This interchange between the two points us squarely back to the prologue of this gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We have said all winter that everything in John's gospel points us back to these claims found in the first 18 verses of the gospel. And now, here, standing in Herod's palace, face to face with the Roman governor, Jesus will remind all of us and the world of who he is, whose he is, and why he is here. Are you king of the Jews, Pilate asks? My kingdom does not originate from this world. My kingdom is not from here, Jesus answers. No, indeed. His kingdom is of heaven, of God the creator. His kingdom has been in place since the beginning with God. He goes on answering Pilate, I was born and came into the world for this reason, to testify to the truth. These few verses of John's Gospel in chapter 18 are the enactment of the prologue. The light was in the world, and the light came into being through the light, but the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to its own people, and its own people didn't welcome the light. No, indeed, those people are right now standing outside the palace. And the prologue goes on, the word became flesh and made its home among us, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came into the world through Jesus Christ, standing now in front of Pontius Pilate. And there hang the tensions between this world and God's world, Pilate's kingdom and Jesus' kingdom. And today's story pokes deeply at those tensions. Who is Pilate, after all, if not the best, or worst, representation of this world? He's not a Jewish leader. He is of Roman employ. He is the oppressor, the arm of Caesar, the outsider over, from the Jewish world over which he rules. He is captivated and motivated by all things secular, Power, authority, wealth, fame. And his career hangs over his head in this entire exchange that alternates between Pilate with Jesus and Pilate with an angry mob outside. He is caught between doing what is right, letting Jesus go, and his own selfish desires. Because he knows if that angry mob is not appeased, word will get back to Rome and the implications for his illustrious career would not be good. And we all know that in the end, he indeed turns Jesus over to death. Now the irony of the section that we heard today is found in the setting itself, a trial, a place where truth is supposed to be sought and served. But of course, over this trial hangs that fabulous question, what is truth? Pilate asks Jesus twice if he is a king, and twice Jesus gives an elusive answer, telling Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. He doesn't say, yeah, I'm a king, but not from a place you've ever heard of. 
But neither does he deny that he is a king. Instead, he speaks of the kingdom. What he does tell Pilate is that he came into this world to testify to the truth. And those that belong to the truth listen to Jesus' voice. It's actually an invitation to Pilate right there. An invitation to hear the word made flesh standing right in front of you. An invitation into relationship with the truth. An invitation to accept the grace upon grace that comes from listening to this voice of truth. It is the voice of the one who tenderly washed the betrayer's feet, now offering the same grace upon grace to the one who could make a better choice, who could accept the gift of relationship with the truth. But of course, instead, Pilate snorts what is truth. Poor Pilate. He can't or won't see that the answer to his question stares him in the face. What is truth? Well, truth is God revealed through the person of Jesus. Jesus told Pilate and us that fact. For this I was born. For this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Jesus is the living, breathing enactment of truth. And those who belong to the truth listen to him. And that's all of us, folks. Now, John's gospel is compellingly woven together from start to finish, and I am always struck by the brilliant literary work that it is. He uses vivid imagery to address his consistent themes throughout, and one of those themes is truth, truth as revealed in Jesus. And so, perhaps our question today isn't quite as difficult to answer as we might first suspect if we want to know what truth is, we look to the truth. We seek out Jesus and listen to him. And I have actually found this compellingly simple in the noise and hysteria of what often feels like a world gone mad, in a world filled with what feels like absurd media channels, social media outlets that are nothing but echo chambers, divisiveness that is embedding itself in every aspect of life. Because there is a difference between seeking the facts and seeking the truth. And we are seeking the truth, big T, truth. And the good news, of course, is we belong to that truth, that big T, truth. We belong to this God of abundance who showers us with grace upon grace. We belong to this shepherd who knows us and calls us by name, who hears us. We belong to this God who pitched a tent of love on this earth and lived among us and continues to pitch that tent of love in all our hearts. And Jesus is that tent of love, the one who reveals that God, what God is to us, the one who shows us who that God is, the one who shows us how that God loves us, who shows us what we can count on and expect from that God. Because of Jesus, we know that the finest wine ever tasted will flow in abundance one way or another in our lives. We know that living water will fill our lives with meaning and purpose. We know that our blindness can be washed away, allowing us new life lived in community. And most of all, we know that dirty, stinky, guilty feet will be washed clean 
with a love like no other. That is truth. We also know that that truth will set us free, free from all the fears that plague us as humans. Fear of not being enough. Hello, Samaritan woman at the well. Fear of change that we didn't ask or plan for. Hello, ill man on the mat. Fear of being left out. Hello, man born blind, lying by the pool your whole life. Fear that our hearts and souls are dead, that life holds nothing for us. Hello, Lazarus, waddling out of a tomb of death. Fear of our failures. Hello, denying Peter. Fear of all those questions that plague us. Hello, Nicodemus, come to visit under the cover of darkness. Fear of all the hungers that plague us. Hello, crowd of 5,000 fed on a hill with scraps turned into abundance. Even that deepest fear that we are unlovable. Hello, Judas, with your traitorous feet washed clean and dried by the truth. When we live in deep relationship with the Word made flesh, we are indeed set free from all those fears. But Pilate, of course, Pilate is so fearful of losing his power, of being called back to Rome, of having his authority stripped from him, that he let an angry mob of people allow him to choose to execute an innocent man. And just as Jesus stands there offering all of this to Pilate, the chance to listen to the truth, we are offered the same. Will we listen to the truth? Will we accept the gifts that it brings? Why should we bother, you might ask me. Why? Because true security, true deep joy, true life is found really only in our relationship with God. Because this world, Pilate's world, can never offer us the peace and the love that come from the kingdom of God. God stands at the beginning and at the end of our history. In between there, where we are, this in-between time in which we live, this in-the-meantime space, there will be all sorts of craziness. There will be beauty. And there will be ugliness. There will be joy. And there will be sadness. There will be dancing. And there will be weeping. This is what Jesus is trying to tell Pilate. He is clearly drawing the distinctions between this world, Pilate's kingdom, and God's world, Christ's kingdom. And we, thank the Lord, belong to that latter kingdom. We belong to the truth. Is the world a mess right now? Yes. But has the world always been a mess? Yes. There have always been pilots chasing all that glitters but has no real value. There have always been angry mobs casting around for others to do their dirty work. 
This is actually the concept of original sin, that the world itself is broken, that things in the world are not the way we would want them to be. As that great Presbyterian writer Frederick Buechner says, here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Do not be afraid. Friends, we don't need to be afraid because we belong to truth. Truth. The truth is that we are called to love God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. The truth is that we are called to love one another as the truth, as the light, as the word made flesh has loved us. And this truth will set us free, free from all our fears. That is the truth. Amen.